Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group for the 31st of August. We're moving right through the year. A lot of big hats coming in this second part of the year. Um, so got some big things to announce. So we'll start talking about those. But before I start spilling the beans, Candice, how about you? Do you want to share some of the cool work that you've been doing? Um, well, let's see. Uh, it's been a lot of cool work because Keegan, the uh, the coding machine, uh, checked in 122 files for the latest uh, Canalytics uh, version uh, 0.0.11 uh, release on uh, PyPy. And uh, so that's pretty cool. It's uh, He has the uh, Koa doc going. And uh, so that uh, anyone can take their uh, certificate of analysis and uh, just upload it, and then it will uh, parse it and uh, put it nice and neatly into a nice XLS with tabs. And uh, so you get details, results. It's just incredibly cool. I actually did a uh, presentation uh, to show the meetup group that I, I'm in. It's a non-cannabis meetup group, but they're interested in data science. and. Also, you know, uh, whereas, you know, he's web scraping too with Selenium and Beautiful Soup and then parsing the PDF files with PDF Plumber. It's all really cool. I've been testing the code and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, just uh, giving some feedback and uh, it's all good. I'm really excited about it. I'm glad to be a part of uh, Cannabis Data Science. Way cool. Too cool. Um, in so Candice is talking about this new, you know, PDF parsing tool, and so we'll do a quick demo of that today and show a, you know, a pretty cool application for that. But Pooja, anything on your mind? Any anything that you're hoping to, you know, learn in the the next uh, six months or so? Hey everyone, thanks, Keegan. This is Pooja here. Um, I was really interested in the proof of concept you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was the K-nearest neighbors algorithm. I thought it was really applicable adjusting Which, similar products. Oh, the, the K-nearest neighbors. So today I was going to basically show you that same model um, and potentially a, a, an ad hoc extension. Um, so I was going to yeah run that by you and see what you think of that um, because um, it's the first time I've used this model, but I think we can uh, get some good use out of it. So I'm glad that you thought that was clever. So hopefully we can uh, keep coming up with some good ideas. Um, nice. Sounds good. John, how about you? What brings you to the group and what do you hope to get out of the group? Um, well, uh, I'm part of a startup. We actually haven't launched yet, but um, we're going to be doing a lot of um, genetics-based work and a lot of analysis on that. And I was kind of hoping to get an understanding of what it is that you're offering and what the capabilities are. Too cool. So it's funny that you talk about genetics. So that's what we were just talking about last week, really stressing the importance. Um, that's where I think a lot of the innovation is going to lie. Um, and so we've been studying a lot about the lab results. Um, so we'll be continuing that this week. Um, so hopefully you can find a tidbit of something useful there. 
I'm in part in my lag. I've, I'll try to cut down some of my bandwidth uh, here uh, in the next uh, minute or two. But but Cheryl, I've been um, happy uh, that it was happy speaking with you last week and happy that you've returned to the group today. Anything new on your mind today? We're basically going to be pursuing the lab result exercise that we talked about last week. And then John's joining us momentarily. Um, and so John may have some interesting work to share with us, um, and then I can maybe follow up after that, hopefully with a bit faster speed here. Good to see you, John. Well, you may not be able to see me, but it's good to see you. <laughs> so, so John, we're about to kick off here. I've got a little bit of lag on my end that I'm working on. So if you would be interested in talking about some of the work you've done, that could be a good place to start um, and that I could I could follow up. You know, basically we're just picking up talking about some of the, you know, the lab result collection we've been doing. Um, and then uh, we'll do like a quick, uh, you know, product recommendation exercise. Um, so Keegan, I'm sorry, you'd like me to kind of spiel for a little bit? Oh yes, um, so I think my lag's a little better now, but uh, I, I could kick off presenting what I have. So what I have is basically just, um, you know, a lab, a lab result collection exercise leading into product recommendation. Um, so I can do that, or you're welcome to talk about perhaps some of your latest, re you know, research with flights. Um, so either or, um, uh, we've got time for both. And, and for everyone who's new here, this is sort of what the group is, right? We, basically meet here once a week and present our latest research. So a lot of the times it's just me droning on about my latest research, but it's a platform for anybody. So, you know, John's been doing some cutting edge research. Um, so anyone's welcome to, you know, share any of their latest and greatest findings. So, so before I kick off, John, do you want to talk about your flights? Do you want to save that for the end or? Um, I can talk for just a minute to put it in context, maybe. I don't know if that's something that you did before I joined. Um, but one of the efforts here is to try and go out and get as much available COA certificate of analysis data that might be out there that we could begin to parse, uh, statistically analyze, Etc. I've been looking at cannabis data sets for uh, four or five years now, primarily flower. And the motivation for the work that Keegan and I have been collaborating on most recently comes from the desire to easily access what is in a retailer's inventory based on their COAs to come up with some conclusions. And then most importantly, we're launching this flight concept. The idea that if we or we have come up with what we think are major discriminant categories in the cannabis product, namely the flower space. And so if we're trying to hang effects, predicted effects on cannabis products, namely cannabis flowers, we better come up with a categorization scheme and then we better query users for what their responses are, what their effect uh, outcomes are and start to correlate. This is the fundamental premise of our dosing project work, which is flagship for our nonprofit, the Clinical Endocannabinoid Systems Consortium. 
So that's the 50,000 foot level. And um, as Keegan and team have experience in aggregating lab data, we set the task, can we take a defined corpus um, of COAs that are part of a retailer's inventory and first of all, make sense out of it, but then develop algorithms that would find what in that inventory are the best candidates, the cardinal points, if you will, in the caniverse as defined by uh, both the cannabinoid active THC, which is pretty much a given because most of these are almost all of them are THC products, and then in the terpene space, which I've spent a lot of time over the last several years trying to make sense out of. So that's the point of the exercise, and that's what we're doing. Maybe I'll stop here and just ask if there are any questions or comments. Yeah, can you hear me now? Oh, I think my mic is working. Uh, I can hear you. Yeah, sure. Yes, right. you're welcome to chime in, Cheryl. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to understand. Did you use the term flight concept, flight? Um, and what does that, what do you mean by that? Yes. And it's borrowed from the wine or the beer industry. Um, if you go for wine tasting or beer judging or beer tasting, you will um, be offered a series of different wines. Sometimes it's white to red or it's different varietals. Um, and so the concept is you're offered a flight, and we're proposing to do the same thing in the cannabis product space. So um, you enter a retail dispensary and you get to try the three or four cardinal points in their inventory and say, oh, I like this one. I would like more of that. Does that answer? Yeah, wouldn't that be wonderful? But um, I... I, I... I don't believe that there's skews for that. Like our product is not being sold um, in quantities that um, you know would be for sampling, let's say, right? Um, so um, in our jurisdiction, which is California, um, that's not a heavy lift. And um, you either package it at the individual bud level or uh, it can be done at the pre-roll level, which is what this retailer in San Francisco uh, floor is thinking of doing. And so we're helping to bring that to practice. Wonderful. And John, the name, did you say clinical endocannabinoid? Did I get Yes, .org. CCSC.org. Okay, great. Uh, I don't I don't tend to text, so I don't tend to put it in chat, but uh C Clinical Endocannabinoid System Consortium, CESC.org. CE. Okay, great. So I just want to ask before we go forward, I mean and what was said just now, what your goal, you know, is there to of course um uh identify cannabis components that um, work for certain individuals or certain indications, right? That's the holy grail. That's what we're all trying to do, right? Um, <laughs> so, um, and it's it's doable. We just got to do, we just got to um, put everything together. So my, just to, you know, for transparency and um, if anyone has any particular interests, my startup uh, is Placient Research Technologies and we are, 
We are um, building a on-demand uh, digital platform for clinical research with medical cannabis that will be prospective, you know, prospective digital um, real-life studies in order to collect robust data to do that predictive and analytics in a way that is, um, you know, I'm from the pharma industry, so that's what I'm bringing to, uh, you know, the, the, the approach that we will take for the research, which is, um, you know, objective measures, big data, et cetera, which um, I think, we think that that will be much more productive than asking patients anecdotal um, questions, right? We overlap considerably. I mean, take a look at our website and then maybe yeah. offline, let's see where there's room for collaboration or whatever. So I think we all have a common interest, like getting those COAs really yeah. for all, you know, every piece of research that we want to do around what's being, you know, consumed in the United States of America or per state, whatever, those, um, those have to become available. And, and so I'm here to help with that effort the best I can. Keegan, that's a great introduction or a great segue for you to maybe take yes. it from here. I was huh? just thinking there's like a, a thousand uh, and one good segues in there. So I'll just go ahead and jump in, right? So you basically said, right, we're after the, the holy grail of predicting products per consumer because basically not everybody's the same. Everybody's got different biochemistries. Um, I guess the the thing that people don't love to talk about is right. Not everyone has a great reaction to cannabis, so right, we'd want to track that. Um, so so yes. So basically, marrying the the consumer reactions with the actual chemical compounds, right? Because we assume there's some sort of causal relationship between the compounds and how you feel, right? Of course, we need to prove that causal relationship, but uh, you know, considering this is chemistry, I think it's a good starting point. So, so basically, like Cheryl said, first things first, we need to actually get the lab results. Um, so we'll do just that. And then just more of an exercise today, I'll show you how you could potentially go about recommending products for consumers, but I really want to, you know, hedge the analysis kind of under what Cheryl said is, you know, to do this properly, you need big data, you need to be rigorous with your metrics, um, and you need to, you know, essentially collect the data in a proper manner, right? So, such as through a clinical study, right? Such as John's doing. So. So there's, there's room for every everybody here. I'm just going to be showing you the data science techniques, right? It's cannabis data science. It's an hour long meetup. Uh, so, you know, just take, take it at face value. But basically we'll just run through a quick exercise where I'll briefly show you, yep, this is how you can get lab results. This is how you can get some consumer data. This is how you can make a product recommendation for a consumer. Of course, if you're actually doing this, right, especially if it's for a medical patient, right, you're gonna to wanna to do this with the utmost care um, and hopefully resources, right? Hopefully you've got some good resources to employ a good data scientist 
get a clinical researcher such as John or Cheryl on your team. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, the sky's the limit really. Um, but you know, part of it is us having fun. Um, but also one of the philosophies that we talk about is, um, it's sort of like, you know, the first observed data point is super valuable, even if there's a lot of measurement error, um, because that's just the first data point. Um, so we're often out there just doing the, you know, the first go at it and just know there's going to be tons of measurement error. And then there'll be people, John, Cheryl, Pooja, <laughs> Candace, uh, who, John, who can follow up after us and do this much, much better. But this will just be an initial first pass. Um, with that said, I'll just go ahead and show you. I'll share my screen with you, and we can just go ahead and dive right into this just because um, we've got some good material um, and lots of ground to cover. Also, anyone, just feel free to make some noise if any idea crosses your mind because I often ramble here and <laughs> to say the least. Um, so it's a meetup after all. So good conversations are welcome. So long story short is, you know, last week we were saying, oh, you know, what was your favorite strain? And then we could find the, the most similar strain. Well, you know, a consumer may not necessarily know what their favorite strain is off of the top of their head. So the idea today is, you know, you know, given a consumer's history, we'll call that X bar. So that'll just be the mean of essentially all the lab results that, of the products. But you could think about it as just the average of any of the factors of the given products. Um, so X bar, so that's just the consumer's history. And so basically we want to see, you know, can we predict, you know, Y hat, which is basically, you know, a product or products that this consumer would like. Um, and I'll just kind of show you some mathematics later, but ideally, right, you'd want Y bar to be equal. I mean, you'd want Y hat to be equal to X bar. Maybe, um, you know, if you want to give the consumer like the exact average of what they've had in the past, or you could potentially kind of do steering, like kind of what John's talking about, right? Uh, you know, maybe the Y hat is sort of the flight, so to speak. So, you know, a flight a consumer may like. Some of the data science tools we'll be using just to, you know, just show, show you sort of all the points where we touch on field, the wide field of data science. So we'll be doing web scraping. So we'll be using at least two awesome tools, Selenium and Beautiful Soup, and requests. Uh, so basically requests is the real lightweight way that you go about web scraping. Selenium, people will rag on it because it's pretty heavy weight. But from my experience, it's incredibly useful, right? And Candace can uh, attest to this. It's, it's just really, if you need to, 
get data from a web page that has a lot of JavaScript, then Selenium may be the way to go for you. I mean, there's other useful tools for it too. I've used it in the past to automate various uh, interactions with the web. Um, uh, it was kind of hacky, but it was incredibly effective. Um, so make of it what you will. Um, PDF scraping, right? We'll be using our friend PDF Plumber. And I haven't been able to actually get it installed yet. Pooja, maybe maybe you can help me. But I believe this this tool was largely developed by Google over the past, I don't know, decade or so. But there's this, um, uh, I, I should, um, I always want to know what abbreviations are, but I, somebody can maybe correct me, but this is optical character recognition, maybe, or something like that. But basically the idea is we've got some PDFs and we, I'll actually show you right now. Well, actually I'll show you here in 30 seconds. We've got some PDFs that are prob problematic um, and we'll have to use some, some, some real nifty technology to help us out with those. This is a concept that a awesome computer scientist taught me. Um, the the SHA-256 hashes, they were using them for authentication, but I've since realized that these are used widely. Um, so for example, in the Bitcoin project, apparently they use SHA-256 hashes all over the place. And so they're, you, nifty way to introduce uniqueness as well as randomness um, in, into your work here. And so the idea is we'll be using them to create IDs, but it's nifty because basically we'll, we will create our IDs off of the results. So if the results change, our IDs change. And so it's a nifty way to uh, just know the result, that we're all looking at the same results, uh, just like that. So that's pretty, pretty powerful. Next, we've dabbled with natural language processing, but this still needs to be formally introduced into the pipeline. But once again, we've talked about how we can use natural language processing to standardize the analysis, the analyte names. Keegan, can I just make a comment on that NLP item? Because um, I'm not sure it's appropriate at the level of the uh, COA parsing that we've been doing. I think it's a simpler problem that doesn't require it. As you know, we've been deploying NLP in the area of open text reviews, and I think that's where it belongs. Um, in this PDF parsing or uh, COA parsing exercise, the fields are pretty standard. And so I think by just falling back on conventional statistics and distribution analysis, we can come up with the optimal standard term for any given um, analyte field in this. So I would reserve NLP for later when we're dealing with open text. 
John Reese is a good point. So far, we've been able to basically get by with just basically crowdsourcing analyte names. Um, my thought is maybe when we branch out to new states, that that may introduce more complications in the words people use, or they, right? So, so for example, all the analytes are from the California panel. And so if all of a sudden we now start getting COAs from Washington State, they'll be using whatever analyte names were used in the regulations in Washington State. And so if there's any variance, right? So say in California, they use N-butane and in Washington State, they just say butane. Um, we'll want to know that those match up the, the one downside to NLP that I realize is we need to have almost 100% accuracy, right? Because we can't be introducing uncertainty at this stage. Um, so I think John, maybe, so I'm not ruling it out. Um, it's on the back burner for now. Um, but anywho, we won't be using it today, I suppose, but maybe I should have <laughs> left it off the list, but it could potentially be fit into the picture. But um, but let's just go ahead and move on here because I've got we can get get to the cool stuff real quick. Um, so the matching models, which we talked about last week, and then this week I'm going to introduce uh, the idea to to you of optimization. Um, so in particular, um, this was basically the 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 algorithm that I that I cooked up here is basically, right, we can observe a consumer and we can say, okay, you know, what are all the products this consumer's purchased? Um, and then you could just create, calculate the average. So that would just be the average THC, average CBD, average terpinaline, average linalool, so on and so forth. Um, and then the idea is, okay, now try to find the k-nearest products. Um, so the idea is, you know, these products would be similar to what the consumers consumed in the past. So the idea is, oh, we know what this consumer likes. They just walked into your store. You would want to give them something near to what they would like, you know, on average. Hmm. Can I just make one comment there? Um, Please. Thank you. Uh, not a mathematical comment, but, but what a person purchases is not necessarily what they like, right? Good. So that's a, uh, you know, a diff that's a, a dangerous assumption to make. A hundred percent. And so, so this is, like I said, this was just a rudimentary model. Um, and so that would be a, probably a necessary extension. Um, and so the, the easiest way that I could go about solving that problem is just have a, a yes or a no. Did you like this product or did you not? And then only include the liked products in the mean. Right, okay. Yeah, I get it. Very simplified. But go ahead, please. Thank you for, for answering. Exactly. So, like I said, that that and that's that's a an ad hoc solution that I just came up with uh, off the top of my head. 
but uh, but Cheryl raises a good point, right? You could potentially ask the consumer, you know, was this a good or a bad choice? If it was a good choice, include it in their average. If it's a bad choice, don't include it. Um, here, I was just going to say maybe just use the most recent products. Um, but I like Cheryl's idea of somehow incorporating the user's sentiment. Um, so we talked about sentiment analysis. So that's a way that you can incorporate natural language processing. Okay, and then long story short is uh, the optimization. Uh, and I don't know if we'll get to this, but I just wanted to show you this for fun. Is okay, you know, what if you could actually blend products? Um, and so this is something that's been brought up. And in fact, I was talking to somebody. Um, uh, Mickey, uh, who was the part, so convoluted, but the partner of the editor of The Emperor Wears No Clothes. I mean, um, and she was saying that what they like to do is mix, uh, you know, mix strains, right? So maybe you would, you know, you know have a, a joint of a mix. Or today we'll actually be looking at concentrates. So you could mix two concentrates. And so one thing, and I think this is something, this is sort of the cannabis side, Cheryl, you may be interested in that. And that's one of the things we'll be talking about today is, so today we'll be looking at results here from raw garden. Um, and so Cheryl was saying, right, it would be really, oops, so some piece in this. Okay. Um, So long story short, Cheryl is saying, okay, it's really important for uh, consumers to have access to the lab results. So just doing a small part here, I'd just like to, you know, applaud, you know, Raw Garden, you know, for doing their part and, you know, making their lab results available to their consumers, right? So now, you know, if you're at the store in California that sells Raw Garden products, you can potentially, you know, look up these results online and track your consumption. And then I guess one of the things is, you know, these are all concentrated products. Um, and so this is where, you know, Cheryl, you know, your research could really come in handy because, you know, concentrated products are quite new um, and, you know, the jury's still out, I suppose. But I actually just heard a really interesting presentation by G, or it's spelled Guy Ritchie at Papa and Barkley in California. And they make these live resin products, I do believe. And, and they were using an uh, a solventless extraction method. So they're, I think they're essentially using ice water um, as their solvent. So they're not using butane or anything. Um, and so the idea is, you know, you're getting the, the trichomes, you know, in their, their, their full form. Um, so the, he mentioned that if you were going to, you know, use cannabis in its purest form, you would, 
essentially use one of these concentrated products essentially for you know aromatherapy so so that is something that people are talking about um but this is so uncommon to see a, a company like put up all of their coas on their website like that exactly so essentially this is a, a product so i think uh, the diamonds is sort of has to talk is talking about the consistency so mm -hmm. this would be the product it looks like um they may have trademarked this this live resin and this name um but we can look at one of these you know essentially you know the consumer would get you know one gram of this and it's going to be you see almost a you know 96 percent you know total cannabinoids and then if you include uh the terpenes here um let's just do uh, a little math here since we're at the meetup group right so we've got 96.809 and then you've got almost three percent terpenes so you have almost not you have 99.7 percent of this uh substance of this compound identified um so you know there's still you know 0.3 percent of essentially residual plant particles i would assume or you know just some sort of you know you'd have to you run it under the mass spectrometer to figure out what that, that final bit is but um i mean the fact that they can identify you know 99.7 percent of what's in this sample is pretty impressive and keep in mind there's actually going to be a margin of error on these so you know i'm sure the laboratory wouldn't want to see a result go out with these over 100 percent but you know because they do have a margin of error you could theoretically expect this total to be above 100 percent um but from my experience lab the lab that's sort of a policy at the laboratory right because it's going to really confuse customers if if this goes out um you know and there's more than 100 percent uh of concentration accounted for does that make sense to everyone <laughs> yeah um but but it's a, it's actually an important sanity check because like i said uh the margin of error you know at any given laboratory you know 10 to 20 percent may be allowable so it's 100 percent possible um but like i said typically uh the, the lab owner or director, they may, uh, you know, essentially uh, take a more pessimistic uh, view of what concentrations in 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 there. 
So long story short is if you're particularly interested in this, I would actually, that would actually be a fun exercise is to, like I said, we're not trying to beat up on the labs or anything, but it's just kind of funny, but it would, but yeah, I would go through here and you'd, you know, check out the sum of cannabinoids plus total terpenoids for all of these. Um, yeah, just, just, just for fun. So um, what is, um, What's the difference between, I mean, I'm looking at it right in front of my face. I'm trying to understand the difference between the sum of the cannabinoids and the total cannabinoids. And what is that, putting them on uh, like an equivalent basis of some, of some sort? Fantastic question here. So essentially, the idea here is the sum of cannabinoids is just going to be the percentages added up all the way down. And then technically, uh, you see here, there's measuring total THC. And they're saying that they're, you know, applying this, here, I'll zoom way in. Yeah. Um, this is called a decarboxylation rate. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea is when THCA is heated, it turns into delta-9 THC. And so this was, this has been essentially standardized by, you know, the federal government because the, right? the federal government, no, no, well, federal I, government, yeah. I think I think they did because basically the idea is, if they were going to arrest someone, they had to be, you know, a hundred percent sure that that person was over the legal limit. Oh, you could be uh, right. 0.3% yeah. delta 9 THC. Yeah. So it's basically like this yeah. is like this is the flip I, side. I believe this is like a like a court. That's a you know, this is like thing. A, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a legal definition. Um, you know, that way, like if you're 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 dealing in like a hemp product, they know precisely what, what the cutoff is going to be. Does that make um so it um and it's kind of just carried over into the uh into the the testing um and now because i i think people just understand well actually i don't know this is kind of where i'm conjecturing but um maybe it's because people just understand a single number better and this is sort of a way to 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 create a single number out of these two. Keegan, it's also historical because previously um, the main potency, content potency assays were gas chromatography, which wouldn't read out the, um, the acidic form because it would convert it to the neutral in the heat of the gas chromatograph. As the field has evolved and we now do um, HPLC potency, a content determination. So we can read out acidic and neutrals. It just became standard to include that, but it's kind of a historical um, historical um, estimate. Exactly. Parameter. It, and that's, John raised a good point. And so I'm sure they, they yeah, so here they said, okay, tested by liquid chromatography. Which is the standard now. In, and so if they had tested this by gas chromatography, theoretically, you would have no THCA 
Right. And you would have um, uh, 84.72% delta 9 THC. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. important though, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because it's it's actually critically important, yeah. Be, um, because this wasn't well defined, um, and so for example, you know, stories from the lab. You know, when I was working at the lab in Washington State, it wasn't well defined whether you reported some of cannabinoids or total cannabinoids and so it was basically like you know eventually all the labs kind of honed in it was it's sort of the hoteling model where it's like all of a sudden you know our lab realized that maybe another lab is reporting oh, oh they're reporting some and you know we're only reporting total um so then you know everybody's wants to report the sum Right, because you know, uh, the the producer or processor, they just view this as a business hurdle that they have to get over. They are not necessarily scientists, and so this is a big difference, right? So if uh, you know you're a processor and you get a COA back from one lab and it says eighty five percent and you get a COA back from another lab and it says 96%, well, that could actually have real business implications. Um, the, the ability for you to wholesale that product could depend upon that. Um, and really there's absolute, there could be absolutely no chemical difference. It's just how, how they chose to report the numbers. Um, so, uh, that actually builds on the lesson from last week about how, you know, small inc seemingly inconsequential things can have profound implications. Um, so like I said, you know, here in California, it looks like, uh, they've standardized this and they're just saying, okay, every COA, we're just going to report both. And that's the case. Which is, uh, I think this is actually the way to go, right? Because, yeah. uh, right, you've got footnotes here explaining to the curious consumer or business person or medical practitioner, you know, what's, you know, what's actually happening here. So I think this is, this is better, but it, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, standards had to be you know, created here over the past, like, you know, decade or so that cannabis is, has been legal. I guess in California, you've had medical cannabis for a long time, but I guess not necessarily the testing for a long time. Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of sensing that it's uh, time to move on. Um, so long story short, we can get the data from that COA, I do believe, with our you know the current tool we've been parsing. I just wanted to point this out to you. So this COA, right, looks like we could parse it perfectly well. But if you'll notice, um, so I just copied this font 
the font you'll see here is this mystery. So long story short is they've opted for either a non-standard font or I doubt this is the case, but um, from my readings, uh, you know, a lot of times when people make PDFs, they'll sort of obfuscate them because they don't want people uh, poking at them. So it's possible that this was, you know, obfuscated. I don't think that was the case. I think they just chose uh, a font. I mean, we don't know what font it is. So long story short is this is where the uh, the tool, I'll say Google's tool, Tesseract, will come in quite handy because essentially what we can do is we can just turn this into just a standard PDF um, and you know get the text out of it. So so that's sort of on the agenda for next week. Um, so I'll just show you the data I was able to get um, and just keep in mind that we'll need to get the rest of the data. Okay, so let's just go ahead and jump into the exercise here. Um, just to show you the data that we were able to get. Um, so, right, and so this is where I was saying that, you know, Canlytics sort of runs the final mile, right? So it's like SC Labs has done everything they can do to get the data into a client portal, get the COA to the client, and they're testing hundreds of, not thousands of samples a week probably um so they're doing everything they can do rod garden has done a fine job of employing a developer and getting these coas online right i can't imagine there's that many uh, producers or processors out there that have all their coas posted like this so if you know of any point them in my direction because we'll go get the get that data um but the idea is okay so this is this is pretty good um but say you actually wanted to you know track this data in john's app or cheryl maybe you actually want to use this data the pdf No good at that point. It's useless, right? Sure. PDF is useless. Well, not completely because we, we can parse it. Right. So, okay. So, so long story short is, you know, we've gone through and, um, you know, gotten all the data that we can from these PDFs. And so there are 2,700 um and i was able to parse about 2700 what coas yeah exactly. and from 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 how many different distributors from one for, what so just this from so I, get out of here there so, so i have a little intel on that because uh, on one of my conference calls this morning is the former lab director of raw gardens so I just asked him, hey, what's the deal? Is this the real thing? 
And he says, yeah, it is. And it was a, a decision that then since these are products that are released into the marketplace, there was no reason not to put the COAs for those released products up. And uh, so he's that, you know, he vouches. He says, yeah, this is, this is appropriate and this is real. This is not from a distributor. This is the producer itself. It, and I and I applaud them for doing that, right? And yeah. it's like, you know, if they want to, right? Um, and this is where we were sort of, and Cheryl, this is where you were kind of critical. It's, and this came up, I think, in a Saturday morning statistics is we just have to basically define, you know, whose data it is, and then the market will kind of work itself out. And so what we're kind of realizing is, is really this is the consumer's data um absolutely you know, data but a consumer can't make heads or tails of that we can barely make heads or tails of that but um, we're so going to put tools in place to allow that that's mm -hmm. precisely the direction we're going so for for example did you notice on that um on that coa you just had up it said 39 terpenes tested i think only three were reported because the others are below threshold Oh, so, um, so sure. like, it's reported. What, let's see. Um, well, then I can address that. So, okay. I this is an SC Labs thing. They just put the top three here, um, and then they'll have the rest down here. Because, okay. Good. Um, so Raw Garden has over the I don't know how many years they've been in business. They have. Um, produced 2,700 different batches that have been tested? That's my understanding because I asked the gentleman this morning and he did a quick calculation. He said, yeah, so many per week, so many weeks. He says, yeah, that makes sense. And, and this is going back to, well, here they're going back to- Imagine uh, their testing budget. <laughs> we'll just assume this is everything this is going back to january of 2021 so they may i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if they have more than this um and that's what i was i was uh this was my hypothesis i suppose in the, the prior week but now it's uh we've got a uh, one data point and this is a producer here or a distributor right with 2700 producer the producer that's got 2700 uh certificates right and so that's why i was saying that um you know this is why this is this tool is a golden business opportunity for anyone who wants to use it right because um you know if i was a bit more entrepreneurial i would have you know reached out to raw garden and said hey uh you know how much do you want to pay me for this for this data file um and so the idea is I mean, there are other distributors in uh, California. There are many more across the country, and they're sitting up, right? They've got to get so many, they have to have so many product tests, right? So it's almost like every time they introduce a new product that needs to get tested. Um, I don't know what the batch size rules are in California, but you know however many batches need to get tested so i mean this is kind of what canalytics has been trying to hammer home to people is you know 
yes, this testing's mandated. So people are real grumpy about it and they, they view it as like a business cost. But, but now I'm saying, well, you know, don't just write, that was the, maybe the most important thing, uh, I'll, Dr. Demkin at UNC Charlotte, that was the most important thing that he taught me was never throw away data. He was a econometrician and that was his number one rule is never throw away data. Like when you're averaging, you're actually kind of throwing away data, right? Um, right when we were doing our average, we're, mm -hmm. kind, of, we're kind of throwing away data. Um, and so... But you're seeing God when you average. <laughs> yes. so, so long story short is if, if you're just ignoring these PDFs, you're throwing away data. And so we're just saying, hey, you know, we'll come and parse all of these. And then, um, you know, currently I'm just going to use them for training statistics. But as I said, uh, I mean, the, the business opportunity is still there. All, and like I said, the person's not finished. So if any of you want to, to beat me to the punch, then uh, then, mm -hmm. then parse all of these and uh, you, you see if, if raw, raw garden will uh, compensate you for, for your efforts. Um, so Keegan, I know a path forward potentially for raw garden, gardens because we discussed it this morning. It doesn't involve parsing these because they have all these and they have all these parts because they they put them on the web as pdfs but yes. they have them all electronically it's making sense out of it and so if we can determine make sense out of this then they will open up their ones that they haven't put out which are in process ones for their in process samples which is going to be a real rich trove so um, there's an opportunity here, but we have work to do, in other words, to pull meaning out of this. And that's okay. what we like to do. To give back to I'm not quite sure why that's so important. No, we want to get a contract with Raw Gardens. Who's we? Well, those, you know, those of us who are in a position to analyze this and have can form a relationship that uh, can approach raw gardens. I mean, we have those contacts. And mm -hmm. if you're interested, talk to me. And and that's what I and that's what I love and encourage is right. It's and this is something that I've had a tough time learning is right. What's the value of an idea, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, ideas are useful. But you know, unless you act upon it and execute the idea, it's just a an ephemeral idea. Um, and so, so that's why I think it's cool uh, to see people like John going and acting on these, and because you know, I'm yeah, you know, I'm trying to get Kinetics a full plate, um, and you know, I think there's an, enough cool work to go around for everyone. Um, and then uh, on this set, um, were you, I mean, you just showed a snapshot of, of the entries. Um, how did you do with parsing the product type? I know we had a discussion 
earlier today by text about that. Is that robust enough to start doing some analysis on this? Or is the product type still iffy? Um, the product type is still 100% iffy. Okay. Um, as you, so the more, I so long story short is, I just wrote an algorithm to get all the PDFs on this URL and download them. If you're a bit more, I wasn't, I was debating the pros and cons of whether it was worth writing the logic to, you know, let's, you know, say, oh, these are infused joints. These are live sauce. In hindsight, I think that would have been worthwhile. Yes, um, please. Uh, because uh, w once they're downloaded, uh, it's actually kind of hard to match them back up. But um, in the in the in the COA itself, um, exactly. So, for example, You're in this data old. set, they're mm. just called concentrates. Um, so the state of California just views all of these products as concentrates, whereas a you know raw garden the, views them as distinctly different products. So how did you? What's the logic for assigning it to concentrate that you used? That should be on the certificate. Um, because uh, if it says infused joints, so, yeah, did so you, is that part of your logic? Exactly. So some of these I uh, should save the pre-roll. Um, I think I got some pre-rolls in here, but uh, those may have. Oh yes, and that was the other thing that um, that's going on here is these aren't just. Uh, well, I should. This one should parse as uh, the pre-roll, but I think uh, SC Labs may have changed their formatting up on us. So I'm not sure if I parsed this one per se. Um, I'll get back on track here in a second. But long story short, is I'm pretty sure these are infused pre-rolls, right? Because you normally wouldn't see a, you know, a flower that high percentage. I'm fairly sure they're infused. Um, so this this is sort of where we're getting into the there's research that needs to be done uh, on the concentrated products yeah well um, i think it's time to start since we can do this and so it's time to um to work on that field exactly so let's uh do just that so here in the last 10 minutes i'll just just run through the the data exercise with you real quick um so oh, this would have been better uh to visualize uh, with a scatter plot um one second here uh what so long story short is this will look up this will look better uh We'll start looking at some of these, just the classic terpene concentrations. Um, so 
remember these are concentrated products and so you know remember most of the products that we've observed have been you know well below one percent um in it well you have probably maybe one percent of an upper bound on any one given terpene but here you see you know products with you know almost almost 30 percent uh limiting um and likewise you know going up toward toward six percent beta pine and, and so i think this is uh a whole nother avenue for research right because you know you've done your research on flour but you know what happens when you know you're consuming these terpenes at such high concentrations um but i in fact john i there's <laughs> i don't know what you think about this but there's already an abrams ratio I think it's used in a in GIS, perhaps. But I was thinking about what do you think about calling the the beta pinene to delimonene ratio the Abrams ratio? Because I find it particularly useful, right? Because so this is the the ratio here of beta pinene to delimonene, and I wish I could pull up one from flower real quick. You'll maybe have to refer back to a previous meetup. But this is actually quite similar to what you'd see in flower, where we've got the mean around 0 0.25. And so generally, what I say is, you know, if a product is greater than 0 0.25, it's the classic sativa. And if it's less than 0 0.25, it'd be your classic indica and so yeah, i don't think i would go there <laughs> well this is uh like so if I you go back to your previous figure i'll tell you why this um one? yeah so oh. a couple things but first of all um so you've got two clusters two main clusters on this uh, beta pinene limonene graph. And so I would suspect that this is the entire product class of raw gardens. And so you probably have joints or something, which are the low, um, or maybe infused joints or something. And then you have your more traditional concentrates, and that's your higher grouping. So right away, we could almost make a guess what product classes are which and i think what i would do for further analysis is just circle the low one or the high one and look at it separate so first of all we can segregate product class easily now based on uh and i happen to call it bplrg because you know i have beta pinene limonene ratio group it's the because it's fast when i'm typing or putting it on graphs and things um this doesn't look the same as flower to me because in flower we get two pretty clear distributions you know you get like a check or a v this is processed cannabis and i think already you're going to start to lose your more volatile terpene against the others so this tells me we're not in the same ballpark 
with this when we start to hit processed cannabis, which um, we're going to have to be a little more careful about. We're going to go to another kind of, of categorization or discriminant analysis for this. But I think uh, beta pinene limonene ratio group is best applied to flour. I love the feedback. And long story short is the, the reason I'm using this data set is this was just the data set of COAs I came across. So no, it's brilliant because yeah. I've never seen this before. And this is really, really, really good to see. Exactly. So long story short is, you know, I'm used to looking at flour. And so the the hypothetical I was using is, okay, let's say a consumer came in and they said, you know, here's, you know, my past history. Uh, I've, I'm a flour consumer. But I'm interested in trying one of these concentrates out for aromatherapy. You know, what what concentrate would you recommend? And let's pretend that, you know, Raw Garden has their entire inventory. And it's not impossible that, you know, let's be hopeful, right? Say federal legalization. Maybe there is some large distributor like Raw Garden that has thousands of products and they just distribute you know at least all over california if not potentially all over the country right but for now all over california um they've got thousands of products so yeah you could call someone up on the phone and say oh yeah you know what product's going to be good for me but this is where we can start to get into the the algorithmic recommendation um, because if We've got, you know, a smart, statistically based algorithm. Um, then, I mean, I, for one, uh, <laughs> would uh, have better faith in statistics, you know, predicting a nice product for me than, uh, you know, just somebody just, you know, just picking one off the menu, so to speak. Keegan, how fast can you regenerate a scatter plot like this with the beta caryophylline and alpha eumelian values? Um, well, I'm currently running a command right now, um, but pretty quick. Uh, so you were interested in the. Uh, Put beta caryophylline on the y axis and alpha eumelian on the x axis. Um, if you don't mind. There we go. Um, I just don't remember. I think I just had it humming. So long story short, oh, nice. And that just finished reading in. Um, so let's see if this, uh, I wonder if I have this as beta. Well, hold on, I just need to. Uh, remember what it's, or is it carry remember off? What, remember what it uh, is. So it's alpha humming. Yeah. Um, okay, let's try this one more time. So a, a not the perfect linear. No, linear that's pretty damn good. Um, and that recapitulates what we just said. You see how it clusters at the left, and then um, this is, and your. Your clustering on the left is much tighter. Um, yeah, this is informative. It's like, 
And so, long story short, I'm going to go ahead and start moving quickly towards the punchline in the next five minutes for those uh, who may have to drop. But uh, I'll tr I'll try to hit the punchline here in the next five minutes. But, but for next week um, and, and onwards, I'll share this data set with you because you know there's probably a lot more insights like this hiding in there, right? Uh, I mean, just looking at two of these ratios, um, there, there's already been some curiosities here. So, so maybe for next week, I'll share the data set with you. We can work on parsing the rest of them, and then uh, we can see what, what insights each of us uncover. Um, but for now, uh, basically, I was saying, okay, you know, I'll, I'll move quickly through this. So Cheryl, you can do a better job at, at collecting this data. But then the reason I'm moving quickly through this is we've discussed this data in length in the past. Um, so I'll have to refer you to some of the previous meetups. But long story short is we have a bunch of strains that people reviewed. We don't have the actual lab results they reviewed, but we just took uh, uh, lab results of uh, uh, of similarly tested strains, um, and so here, and so now we actually have a uh, uh, so for example, um, what am I trying to show you here? These are reviews uh, that were provided by another data set, a separate data set, or? Exactly, so this is a, just a separate data set. So basically, I'm just using this to just pretend that, okay, pretend that you have a bunch of consumer data. Mm -hmm. Consumer data is tough to come by, and right, you've got to follow hyper rules and all that. So, so this is, we're just basically using this as mock data, but these are from Leafly. So these mm -hmm. are reviews people left on Leafly. Right, and that's that's accessible to academic researchers. I understand. Well, well, Leafly publishes them on their website. So technically, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they, they're in the public yeah, uh, yeah. domain. Right? There's a corpus. Uh, that is not behind the academic wall that was released earlier represents an earlier set and it was the, the data set that went into a 2019 publication with a group of south american folks and so that's the corpus i see thank you for that clarification because today like you have to sign an agreement from an, with an academic institution um which not all of us have affiliation with right right and um again our CESC is a .org, and so if we were going to go after, go, try to get this from Leafly for whatever utility it has, um, we would petition them as a .org. Right. Mm -hmm. Happy to talk to you more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I linked in with you just now, so please respond with your email address. I will, and I've been terrible with my LinkedIn invitations, but I will do this now. Thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I John, do more by email. Is than quite, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad I found you. <laughs> it's a common name, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. 
so Keegan, so, what is this? Tell us, because I haven't seen this rendering before. Just yeah, so real, real quick. So, so you can find all the products that somebody reviewed. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, uh, this person, uh, Chill Panda, has oh, yeah. reviewed uh, a bunch. Um, so, right, they have reviewed White Fire a bunch. 71 uh, reviews, if I remember the number correctly. Exactly. And so if you take the average. That's one of, person's reviews? I'm sorry. One person. Yeah, that's one person reviewing 71 strains in Leafly uh, around 2019. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and so what you can do is you can basically just take the average terpene mm -hmm. values of all the strains that people have reviewed. And keep in mind, there's measurement error because the, these aren't the actual lab results, but the, I've hedged that enough. Yeah. But long story short is, this would basically be my like, this is what I would call X bar. So mm -hmm. for each of these consumers, this would be their X bar. So this would be their, their average terpene value. And so the idea is, law of large numbers so maybe you know this is this is keegan over here or something and so it's like you know you may try things all over but the idea is you would gravitate towards what you like and so in the long run chill panda right maybe chill pandas tried things all over the map Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we could look at a scatter plot of just chill panda. Um, if I had more time, I would make one real quick. I, I think that'd be interesting. Um, but but chill panda you know, has tried things all over the board, and then they've sort of gravitated here. And so the idea is, if we were going to recommend, you know, chill panda, uh, a concentrate. Why don't we try to recommend them one that's about at this ratio of, and that's why I was saying the ratio is nice because we can just find this ratio here, say 0 0.08 to 0 0.3. Their ratio is 0 0.26. You know, now we find the concentrate that has that ratio. And that would be our recommendation for Chill Panda. Mm. In fact, so one assumption there, I just have to, just one assumption that perhaps went into that um, is that over, you said over time, they may gravitate to a certain mean or you know what a strain let's say strain even though i hate to use that word a certain cultivar that has right a, cer a certain ratio right but um your chemical profile yeah right but um again i, I just want to caution you about that assumption because over over time they may be trying different things or their their you know their needs may be changing over time as well right um so uh, like you're you're basing your recommendation on a very, you said it yourself. The mean is you lose a lot of data. And and so I agree a hundred percent, Cheryl. I think this has its unique use case. So 
the way I would use this is if uh, maybe you had a chain of retailers, right? And or or through your point of sale system, you know, you have information about Chill Panda. Mm -hmm. so, so this consumer walks into your store. You don't know anything about them, but their past history. Uh, then you have to think about, yeah, how are you going to recommend this consumer a product? Um, and a possibility would be to just give them a product that's, you know, the most similar to their average right. historic chemical profile. Is that the best recommendation? It easily may not be. I accept that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I would ask if it's okay, because I, I have spent some time thinking about this, and especially with this data set, I would ask the question a little differently, if I might. Um, first of all, um, and I discussed this with Keegan, while the ratio exists, I'm much more a fan of using the ratio types to categorize it into the two main classes. And we call it air quote sativa or air quote indica or sativa and indica effect or it goes by aroma category. We've published and written and discussed this pretty extensively. So uh, Cheryl, I'm just saying there's background literature here, which is why I'm growing so fast. But the point is it creates a categorization. And so rather than run this as a continuous variable like Keegan is showing with a ratio type, assign it to a category, red, blue, sativa, indica, whatever. And now for, for this Leafly data set, we have the frequencies of sativa responses and indica responses chemically with this profiling. We've done that and we have that data. So take a large responder like, uh, like Kill Panda and say, does their distribution of, of their red and blue mirror the overall distribution or is it different? And draw the conclusion that maybe uh, Chill Panda represents, they just review anything that comes along or there's a bias. And we could answer that from an analysis the way I just described. That's a chi-square contingency test will tell us. And there's a lot of pushback from that, that you know, dichotomy that using that uh, sativa indica. Um, I, you know, I know there's a lot of literature on that, and it's commonly used. But I also read a lot of pushback on that. And the, the, the designation should be pushed back on. We don't use it, but the right? chemistry is pretty incontrovertible. You can't argue with the chemistry, and the chemistry is what it is. It's real. Isn't it more complex than that? So, yes and no. I think that's part of what we're understanding at the level of the flower. You know, people have rolled their eyes and said, there's 420 compounds and all. Well, yeah, there are, but there are rules. There are grammar rules here. And that's what we spent a good number of years trying to establish what these categories are. It's simpler than you think. It's not terrible. That's and, encouraging. I look forward to seeing that literature specifically. Yeah, it's off, you know, start pulling down off our website. And well, think, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, we have a chapter in um, recent advances in cannabis science, and I think the abstract 
is on the website, but the actual chapter, um, if you send me, any, well, um, we're we'll connect on LinkedIn. I'll send you the the chapter so that you can look at it. But in the world of recommendation, it, it is how useful will it be to a to a particular person to get a red or blue recommendation? So it's not a bad way to start, and because of the way retailers are, you can start there. There's a little finer granularity um, that we're talking about. Um, I mean, Keegan, do you want me to pull a slide up? Do we have time, or um, maybe it's, next time? It's up to, to people here. So long story short is I've ran into some complications in the code so i'm going to need to sort those out um and make this a bit more organized i think um so i'll recap at the beginning of next week uh i think there's just a hiccup in the code but long story short is i've gone about as far as i've prepared today is basically i'm just taking the averages of the consumers therapy mm -hmm. profile and i was going to try to match those with the the ratio here um with the nearest neighbor model um so i think it should work just the code needs to get cleaned up and then i'd love that the feedback that you've provided that you know is this actually going to be a meaningful recommendation so i'll, I'll finish the the actual code for you and send it to you post it to github recap it next week um but John, I'm happy if you want to, to talk um, because I think I may end my presentation here. Um, Thank you so much, Keegan, for, for that. Can I, just add, can I just clarify, you meet once a week or twice a week? Um, so right now we're meeting Wednesdays, uh, you know, at 4.20 p.m. Pacific time. So just once a week for now. Okay, because I thought I heard you say Saturday mornings or something. Maybe that's something different. So we were doing these Saturday morning statistics. Um, it was a really small group, and so I just condensed it into Wednesday afternoon. Great. So once a week, is, once a week is fine. <laughs> um, I'll I'll get those uh, those old videos published uh, before too too long. I know I've been promising that forever, but I'm finally well, that'd be great because I have uh, apparently a lot to catch up on. John, I do have like just a few minutes if you wanted to. Um, um, I'm happy to introduce this concept if you want to just sit for yeah, another three or four minutes. Sure. Um, Keegan, I guess I need uh, you have to release the screen to me. Okay, so what this is is the final output of the CD, the uh, COA parsing data set that Keegan initially started working with um, for this retailer in San Francisco called Floor. And the exercise was to see if we can come up with flight, a flight definition and so this is another way of looking at um the cannabis types this is all type one cannabis so it's all high thc and what we're doing is looking at it in a three-dimensional terpene space namely with three monoterpenes and i haven't labeled the axis deliberately but i'll tell you that the green one, the one coming out to the left is limonene, the one going to the right is alpha pinene, and the one going down is terpinoline. 
And this really defines quite well uh, at the monoterpene level, uh, the major cannabis classes, type one cannabis flower that we're dealing with. So it is our view that we can begin to make predictions, make recommendations, categorize off of this, et cetera, et cetera. And this is, there's a lot of years behind these results, these observations to get to this. So um, it was, it was a joy to apply it to a retail data set. But this is the idea. So can we come up with an algorithm where based on the values that we can uh, suck in off a of COA for various terpenes, bingo, we can assign what is, should be the three. And in our case, we consider four because we want one of them to be the canonical center of their retail canniverse, which is this one here. So the idea is go try, you get offered four pre-rolls or four buds or something to represent this space. You come back and tell us what you like. We have various outcome surveys, et cetera, um, you know, in our clinical work that we're doing. Uh, and away you go. But this is the way we think um, is a really good way to approach this. And therefore, we're calling it, you know, the flight concept, which I started this discussion with. Uh, about an hour or so ago. Very interesting. And that's all based on a, um, and the, the, I guess, with a background of a similar cannabinoid content? Yeah, this is, um, this whole series is type one. Mm -hmm. And um, in point of fact, we can show it. Um, the distribution, interestingly, is it's a normal distribution for THC. Um, and its mean and median is about 29%, which is astonishingly high these days. This is California. Um, one of my pet peeves that these are too strong, but I'm not in a position to change that quite yet, other than the smoke glass. It's really high. Right? It's real high. And I problem for the marketplace in general. I think it's turning people off. And I know for those of us who have enjoyed cannabis for most of their life, um, it's too high. It's way, it, it's not right. So this is an opportunity. And it's uh, when we get on our horse, we try to drive the concept that we should be looking or retailing more type two. Mm -hmm. uh, type two cannabis is one-to-one -one THC and CBD. It's Great. what I like to use. Um, it's more like the earlier days for us. Mm -hmm. And so have you been able, do you have data on the type two um, that you could parse out the flight, the terpene flight offerings on the type two? I wish it were more prevalent. Um, type mm -hmm. two is not all that prevalent. I mean, this, this dispensary has one, um, you know, one type two. and. They almost say they almost keep it in the bag. We have some marketing work to do to get this out. Um, but every, you know, every journey starts with a first step. Yeah. Congratulations. Very great, great work. Well, I'll yes. be happy to talk to you more offline, but thank you for uh, giving me the chance to rant. I tend to be a little bit of a fire hose. Uh, I, I think it fits in nicely. And you know the data we were working with today right it's the high concentration stuff oh, uh, yeah. and that would it's co coincidentally i think the lesson of the day is 
that's why the ratios matter, right? Um, is in, in my opinion, right, is, you know, it, it makes, you may be able to, you know, compare across product types um, if you use ratios, but more work's needed to be done there. For next week, I'll finish the coding. And then John, I'll be interested to see how your work develops. Cheryl, Candace, John, would would love to hear about your you know adventures throughout the week. So there's there's a whole lot more ground to cover. Um, so I may go ahead and start wrapping up wrapping up the group for today, just to be respectful of everyone's time. But I want to definitely thank you all for coming. And then, as I said, there's a lot on the agenda for next week. I I wish I had have uh, had everything finished for today, but it's sort of the the cannabis data science way that you know if we don't get to everything this week, you know we're the tortoise after all. So we'll get the the rest of these twenty seven hundred COAs parsed. We'll do our analysis, and you know the sky's the limit. There's so many golden opportunities that abound. So yeah, let's have fun and. Uh, You'll capitalize on it. <laughs> Keegan, if you um I'll suck, I'll take your Excel sheet now that you have on that uh, raw garden because I will just segregate it into the two classes, irrespective of the product names. And I want to run a PCA on it because I think we're gonna get discrete um discrete groupings with PCA that we don't with flower. Um and I can do that on that data set. So um I'll look means, you'll have a sample. It's not guaranteed to be random, uh, but you'll at least have a sample. Of, I'll take what I can get to get started, as you know. A large sample, right? 1,000 out of 2,700. That's pretty damn uh, good. And it's the same one that you were just running your uh, scatter plot with, right? Exactly. And Perfect. Then, Perfect. And then, I, as I said, um, we'll have to you know, use some cool computer science techniques to parse the rest of them. But John, John's actually proved that it's possible. Um, and so my, my philosophy is, you know, with Python, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So we've got a lot of will here. So uh, let's see if we can to find a way. Thank you so much. Definitely. Cheryl, John, James, right. John, thank you all for coming. Until, until next week.